the day I decided to do a podcast for Leading Second, I knew immediately I would want to do this episode. You are going to love what we're going to talk about today. Let's dive in. I am an uncommon church builder. I am Leading Second. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Stewart, and welcome to the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders that our pastors would absolutely kill to have on the team. I know I say that every episode, but think about that for a second. The kind of leader that your pastor would do anything to have more of. I hope that our weekly podcast is helping you as we attempt to do something to strengthen the church. So welcome to this experiment we're calling the Leading Second Podcast, and I'm really grateful that we get to spend a few minutes with you every single week. I often wonder where you're listening uh, to this from. I imagine probably some commutes out there or maybe during some times when you should be message prepping if you're a youth pastor or um, maybe you're creative and scheduling people on planning center for the weekend or something, I don't know. But uh, man, we're just grateful to be in your world and we want to bring you closer into our world. I would encourage you to head to Facebook and check out the Leading Second Forum, which is our community and our place where we are doing life with leaders just like you from everywhere. So I am so excited for today's episode. You're going to love what we're going to talk about today. I believe it's going to really encourage you. Before we do that, uh, I recently had a question sent in from a uh, podcast listener in the Leading Second Forum on Facebook. And uh, I wanted you to hear this question. And then I'm going to take a minute and respond to it. This is coming straight from a listener of the Leading Second Podcast. Hey, Brandon, this is Clark calling in from Nampa, Idaho, and I just had a quick question for you. I was wondering what bad habits would you have rather broken earlier in ministry than later? I appreciate what you guys are doing on the podcast and the Facebook forum, and we'll talk to you guys later. Whoa. Um, As you can tell, uh, Clark went for the jugular today on his question, what bad habits would you have rather broken sooner than later? Um, I think the easy answer to that question is every bad habit. But to answer this question, um, man, I I had to actually pause this recording and think about this for a second. I think if I had to pick one that I should have broken sooner rather than later. It would be the habit of looking to others for my affirmation of how well I was doing rather than looking to Jesus. And I developed early on in probably my adult life, but also in ministry, a habit of measuring my success based on what others thought of me and measuring my success based on affirmation and praise, which Uh, just steers you horribly wrong. I'm not even too proud to admit that I even see a counselor regularly. And uh, this is often one of the great themes of that. But I call it a habit because 
it was habitual. It was perpetual. It was always there. And I've just really had to redo my filter on that. And I think I would have, I wish I would have recognized that like a decade sooner or, or sooner than that. And just, um, realize that I had a filter going on in my life that was, uh, that was totally out of line with the word of God and the will of God. It was just based on the popular opinion of people around me who I wanted to have like me. So there you go. That's in a very short form. That is my uh, best answer, but we could probably spend an entire episode just on that. Without any further delay, I want to get into our interview today with my friend Larry Bry, who is a campus pastor at Elevation Church. I have been wanting to bring you this episode for quite a while, and uh, we share so much common thinking when it comes to ministry and leadership in the second chair. Of course, so many of us love and respect Elevation Church, and I just thought it would be fun to get a little bit behind the scenes of a, of a great church and hear from one of the founding members of that church. So without further ado, here we go. My conversation with Larry Bry. All right. Well, today I am joined with my very good friend, uh, Pastor Larry Bry, one of the campus pastors at Elevation Church. Larry, say hello to everyone today. Hello, everybody. And Brandon, I just want to say you're a pretty incredible guy. You know, I really try, and when I when I try, I just picture you, my friend. Uh, well, when, when I when I grow up, I do want to be like you. I hope to get a little bit taller, much better with my fashion, uh, and just overall, just a nicer guy. <laughs> well, well, come on out to Seattle. We can we can we can tackle the fashion thing. We can tackle that. Uh, you you could you could hook me up a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, hey, um, I, I'm so thankful you're jumping on with us here uh, for a few minutes today, and you know I'm just gonna say it because I probably don't get a chance to say it often. Um, man, we love your house and your your church, um, and what you're a part of means so much to so many people. Uh, means so much to I know so many people listening today. So just have to say a big thank you. Not only to your pastor, but also to you. You know, just for all that you do for the kingdom, it is your your impact is is no doubt felt uh, far and wide. You you are incredibly gracious, and uh, man, we love your church, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Sheila, Champion Center. Just we wouldn't be where we're at at Elevation without people like Pastor Kevin and Pastor Sheila. And so we're really standing on the shoulders of a lot of people who have gone before us. And anything that, that God does through our place is really. Uh, because of the faithful men and women who've gone before us. So we, I honor you, your church, your pastor, and thank you. Absolutely. In fact, I do remember the first day your pastor walked into our church and, um, and you know, been back many times and, man, we love him. So I wanted to get this conversation today. Uh, I, li- I usually like to start by asking guests uh, something unique. So um, what is something about you that maybe not very many people would know? Um, like take us behind the veil of Larry Bry and what, what's, what's something about you that, that is, um, something not many people would know. One that's scary, the idea of getting behind the veil, you, you just, you don't know what you're going to see behind there. Um, but, but I don't know. I think, I don't know if it's as much as unique as it would, I think be just like an anointing that you would see behind the veil. And that's the fact that I am a, a massive Minnesota Vikings football fan. Oh, come on now. Like, I think if you were to, like, if, if your listeners 
were to start wearing some purple and putting some horns on, they would experience spiritual renewal like never before. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, my wife's from Minnesota. I didn't know that. Again, evidence of God's favor on your life. See, look at that. Look at that. And my high school was the Vikings purple and gold, just so you know. I feel as though the Lord is saying you should get a Minnesota Viking tattoo today. Um, I'll pray about it. I'll, I'll wait for confirmation <laughs> from two or three witnesses on that one today. As Ask your wife. In Jesus' name. Oh, I, I think I think she is a converted Seattleite, though. I hate to say it. Uh, you proselytized your wife like that? <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so um, you are, of course, a part of a house that we love um, so much. And I know that you've been there since pretty much the beginning. How did yeah. you find your way uh, to being a part of the team um, at Elevation with Pastor Stephen? I, it's it's kind of that long and winding road that that story that really be, kind of begins out of nowhere. My background's in PT sports medicine, and so I taught college for for a number of years. Kind of left that, and eventually came on staff at a local church in a town called Shelby, North Carolina. And about six months after I came on staff there, we hired this new worship leader. He was this bald head, uh, goatee wearing, baggy clothes guy uh, from North Greenville College. He was the only white guy on his all black gospel choir. It was, it was pastor Steven. We brought him in to be the worship leader. And after seeing this guy and seeing the anointing on him, I just, I said, man, I need to be a part of whatever this guy's going to do down the road. And now mind you, he is at that point. He, and he still is, he's 10 years younger than me. So he is 22 years old, fresh out of college. Yeah. And I still, I still remember the first sermon I ever saw pastor Steven preach. It was a sermon called God is great. God is good. And, uh, I still have the VHS tape somewhere, and wow. he, absolute, he absolutely burned the house down, and I said, that's the church I want to be a part of for the rest of my life. Hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing, and of course, it was uh, it was on from there, and, and you were part of, of that original team of couples that, that yeah. started Elevation Church with him. It is. We started uh, February 5th of 2006. We had eight families. Uh, that first Sunday we launched, we had 121 people. It was 98 adults. And 23 kids, I could take you back to the Excel file in my computer and give you the list of names from that first weekend. And uh, it, it's been a crazy ride over these last 12 years as we've seen God do kind of that immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine thing. That's awesome. And I have no doubt, by the way, that you have that Excel sheet on your computer. I That uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, the funny part, I, I kept that Excel sheet. I would keep – we didn't necessarily do attendance, but I would kind of keep it off the grid. I did that up until we were – Oh, right about 700 people. And at that point, I couldn't do it any longer. It's just too big. Wow. Well, that's awesome. You yeah. and I share a life verse. And this is one of the things I feel like I've just come to love about you so much. Uh, 1 Samuel 14, 7, uh, which is, of course, Jonathan's armor bearer's response uh, to Jonathan in the face of vision. And and um, it's actually one of the foundational Verses of leading second. Uh, we put it all over our artwork, but even more than that, it's it's absolutely key to the DNA of this podcast and this experiment that we have going called leading second. So, yeah. what? Tell me. I just thought people would find this interesting. What does that verse mean to you? I mean, why why is that? I know you have have a tattoo on it. Uh, well, why well thanks that? for like putting that out there. I mean, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, but there will not be any photos of the tattoo released. How's that? Okay, okay. <laughs> I have one too, by the way. So, well, pr so. pray 
Jesus, God, Jesus loves people with tattoos. Come on now. Come on now. <laughs> uh, I think that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with you when I came out to uh, Champion Center a couple of years ago. Um, and I saw your heart for your pastors and the way that you held their arms up. And it was absolutely inspiring. And I think there was a kindred spirit that God gave to us because I love what you're doing um, with, with your uncommon. You're building these uncommon church builders. And it's this about uh, this idea of, of speaking to the person in the second seat. I love that. That that Because that's what Jonathan uh, in his armor bearer did. And the reason I think that that, that verse for Samuel 14, 7 really resonated with me and has really become my life verse is it gave language to a heart calling. Um, I've always desired to be a part of something bigger than myself. Mm. And what I saw in the, in the armor bearer is he was part of such a bigger story, but he wasn't, he didn't need to be the guy who was mentioned in the lead title of the whole movie. Yeah. It's so good. And he, he was so comfortable kind of being behind the scenes and actually having the back of Jonathan that as he pushed Jonathan forward, the whole kingdom advanced, but he got to experience things he never dreamed possible. Wow. You know, um, I, I feel like that is exactly what I'm hoping everyone who ends up a part of this tribe will catch is the willingness to go unnamed and unnoticed in, in certain moments that maybe some of our greatest impact are the moments where we just give our lives into something regardless of credit, regardless of titles. Yes. That, that maybe, maybe those are some, that, that's his, that's his recorded moment in scripture. And uh, you just have to think that maybe those are some of our of our greatest seasons as secretary well, I, I love it because I, th that story just comes alive when you see the context of here's this uh, th this prince. I mean, the second in command of of uh, of all of Israel, Jonathan. His dad has gone wackadoo, gone off the ranch, and now he's looking at his father who who's going a little bit crazy and taking the best fighting men, and he's looking at the scene in the state of of, of the world. And he's living in a place where he just says, I can't live like this. He said, I would rather die trying to change it than live in this comfortable complacency. Mm. And he looked to the one person who would do something with him. And he says, hey, let's go over to that outpost on the other side. And the best I can give you is perhaps. I don't know how it's going to work out. Yep. We, it might end in a cloud of smoke and we might just crash and burn. But at least we're going to go out trying. Yep. And I love the fact that the armor bearer looks at him and says, go ahead, do all that you have in mind. I'm with you, heart and soul. He didn't even answer his question. He simply said, I've already said yes to the question you're asking and yes to every other question you ever could ask me. I love that kind of mentality. So along those lines, then let's let's think about this thought for a second. The the vision that was presented to him, I would say, was pretty impossible. I mean, with, ridiculously with, impossible with without the help of God, um, this wouldn't have happened. And so I would, you know, what I when I look at my own story in ministry, and I'm sure when you look at yours, you see moments where there's a lot asked of us by our leaders where yeah. our leaders. I mean, our pastors, similar to John, Jonathan that day, they they look at us with pretty tall orders sometimes. And yeah. we sometimes I think you have that feeling of like, I don't know how we're going to do this. Um, you know, I'm with you, but this Completely. looks pretty, you know, I, I think that when I think of Elevation Church and having, you know, been around and, and heard from your pastor over the last few years, you know, in the story of our conference and life and all that, um, it's a pretty high octane environment, you know, from what I can, from what I can perceive, you know, the, the, the pace is often fast yep. and, and no doubt the requests are, um, 
are high and, and you guys do so much for the kingdom. And um, I know that I'm someone that wants to run really fast for the kingdom. So my question for you is this, how do you handle those moments where the pace is fast, where, you know, the, the, the faith of your leader is really big, which means the request that they're asking of you is really big. And yeah. how do you handle those moments? Oh man, I, I wish we could have recorded this today and then take it back 12 years ago. Right. And cause I think those things are discovered along the way. I don't think anybody starts out with knowing them. Yeah. So the person, the person who's sitting in a seat today, that's wondering, can I figure this thing out? You will figure it out as you go. That's and so good. I, I love the fact that, that God never called the armor bearer to have it all figured out in that moment. He simply needed to have a willingness to go to the next thing. Mm. And and that's where I think I, I'm inspired by this armor bearer because he didn't need a complete roadmap to the, to the destination. He just simply needed the faith to take the next step with his leader. Hmm. And when I think about these high octane kind of pressure environments, I think about that that armor bearer climbing the hill with 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 Jonathan because it says it was a thorny, slippery slope. And so it's a slippery slope, meaning it's a pretty significant incline. So they're climbing up kind of if you picture it. In your head, they're climbing with their hands and their knees because that's where it said Jonathan's climbed up with his hands and his or hands and his feet. And the armor bearer was kind of right behind him, and it's really slippery. And I'm going to guess that at that steep of a hill, Jonathan's foot would have slipped at some point. But he had a firm foothold behind him because when his foot slipped, who did it rest on? Yep. The, the armor bearer. And it in that moment, that describes ministry. Because if the armor bearer, all he did was focus on how uncomfortable or how hard it was, he would have walked away and they both would have lost. Yep. But when he saw the context, if I can be a firm foothold for my leader to move forward, God will advance and we will take new territory. And so what gives you the, 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 the motivation to, to sustain in these high octane environments is really your memory. I think your memory is connected to your motivation and your motivation is connected to your memory. Wow. And what the enemy will do is try to steal your memory. And it, when he does that, he'll take your motivation because you get part of the way up the hill and you realize this is starting to get hard and you forget why you started climbing the hill in the first place. Wow. That's so and I, I don't think people walk away from the leaders because they don't love them. I just think they forgot why they got into it in the first place. Hmm. How many people have walked up the hill and, and those senior leaders looking around going, man, if they said they were going to have my back, now where did they go? Yep. I, I don't think they left because they hated their leader. I think it came to a point where they forgot where they started in the first place. Wow. So good. So good. And, you know, I think um, when we look at some of the great churches, you know, um, influential, growing churches of which Elevation would no doubt be one, I think we can assume from the outside looking in that you couldn't possibly have challenges. <laughs> I'm sure it's all, it's all roses, right? It's all, oh, um, you know, totally. you, you know there, there's never, there's never budget concerns. You, I'm sure you've never, oh. you've never argued with a coworker. You know, no. I, I think it's easy to look at, at at something that has a touch of God on it and um, you go, man, you know, we stink and they're awesome. And, and I just, I don't, I think that challenges are challenges and they're universal. Um, Completely. Everywhere. Maybe just in a different context. So I'm not sure if you have any thoughts on that, but I, I just feel like that that's a myth we can bust. 
It, it is so a, a misperception. And it's kind of like you look at somebody on Instagram, but you don't see the struggle they had trying to get that picture of their family together as kids are screaming. But but you, you don't post the struggle. You only post the picture. And what I love about like working with uh, your pastors out there is they've given us the ability to see behind the facade to really see the challenges that are going on in ministry. And I think one of the things like from great ministries like the one you're a part of, it's encouraged us to say the struggle is real and it's normal. But the greatest, the greatest advantage you have is the challenge you're facing. Mm. And, and sometimes people look at, at, at where we're at today. And we did the same thing when we started. We did this exact same thing. We'd walk in somewhere and see, um, to see what they're, what they're doing 15 years into ministry and realize, gee, it must be nice to have all this. But you don't see the beginning of the movie. It's hard to appreciate the end when you don't see the beginning. Yep. And I have a friend of mine. She's an Olympic champion in wrestling. And uh, she she said this. She goes, everybody wants the gold, but nobody wants the grind. Oh wow, so good. And she said, she said for four years I would get up and work out when everybody else was sleeping. She said I had spinach and chicken for lunch every day for four years. And so it is those consistent sacrifices you bring to the table that produce the things that everybody sees. But it's those things that nobody sees that actually allow the atmosphere for it to happen. And so. The struggles and the challenges when we had, we began with eight families. We had no money. We had a lot of dream, but no money in the bank account. But we had this faith. And I think what builds the, 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 the things in the ministry that everybody wants are the things that nobody else would ever choose. It's the struggle. It's the challenge because that's where grit is built. So good. So I have a thought for you. I'd love to hear you. I'd love to hear what you would say about this. Um, I was at the ARC conference last year and um, did a session called Getting It Right with Your Pastor. And love in it. that, in that, I just thought this was kind of ironic. ARC is, is undoubtedly, you know, one of the great church yep. planting, you know, movements and organizations of the world. And, and we love, we love ARC, support them fully. And I stood in this session, though, with a, with a few hundred um, executive type leaders. And I said this thought. I said, if you're supposed to plant a church, go do it because you'll be miserable if you don't. Yep. If you're not supposed to plant a church, don't do it because you'll be miserable if you do. And yep. I think sometimes, I, I, so the caveat of this, what I'm about to say is this. Um, I think that there are times and places for transition and there are times and places to step out and do your own thing. However, I actually believe that many of us, maybe many more of us, are assigned and are called to be with the leader that we're with right now. And then what happens is the anointing that's on your leader spills over onto you because of, of the house you're a part of. And, and it, it, for those of us in the second chair, it can almost make us look better than we are because of the, the, this <laughs> thing that we're a part of. You know, the, the, the house, I have no doubt that I, I walk in you know, yeah. the, the anointing on our house. And so I guess my question, I see people that re then remove themselves from that and, and flounder. And part of the reason is they were supposed to stay planted. They, 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 the, the anointing and the favor that was on their life was because of where they were planted and Amen. because of where they were assigned. So I would just be curious if you had any thoughts on that, because that that's probably one of the main things that keeps me anchored is realizing I'm not released to go. And, and so much of the favor and blessing on my life is because of where God has assigned me and me being loyal to that. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the kingdom is is all about order. And where it gets crazy in ministry is when they start taking honor and they create caricatures of it rather than creating a godly representation of it. Wow. And to plant your feet in a house means for me to submit to the leadership that God has put over me. And that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful image that God creates for us. And it's the way he wants his body to work. So we walk in unity. But what happens is in ministry, it is so hard to submit your preference to somebody else because there's there's this thing in our flesh that almost needs to get our opinion heard. And if and if we don't create a place for it to to be exposed, it's almost like we have like a, a visceral response where it feels like if I don't say anything, I'm going to throw up almost. And so what happened, what happens in ministry is people get these feelings that, again, the motivation that got them into that seat, when we get into situations where offense is built up or challenge happens and we don't respond well to it, it causes us to distance ourselves from the leader that we should be under. And it is the hardest thing in ministry to create healthy environments where you're working through those issues rather than burying them. Because when you continue to bury those offenses and those things you hold on to, it is just a matter of time before somebody walks away. But what they'll do in ministry is they'll walk away and they'll throw a Christian label over it. Like, I feel as though the Lord is leading me into a different season. That's so true. No, he's not. You, You are running from the very thing that God wants to deal with in your life. And you're couching it in Christianese and you're throwing a label over it of like the Lord is leading me on. No, he's not. He is He is leading you to the place that you're going to deal with your unforgiveness issues. And that will only happen in the house that you plant your feet in. Mm. And, and when you leave that house, all of the issues you've had in the last four houses you've been a part of, you carry into the next season. And when you do that, you force your kid to fight battles that dad avoided. Oh, wow. That's really good. And that that's the collateral damage I see happen in this, Brandon, is I see the collateral damage because mom, dad are not walking in a place where they're, they're really dealing with the core issues and they kind of work around it. But now the collateral damage is the teams that they were a part of, the ministry they were a part of, they suffer. And these kids end up dealing with issues that they should have never had come into their life. Yep. And I've come to believe this fact that if you have to transition poorly and like if you have to burn bridges and like if if you have to do that to to execute your transition, I would highly doubt that God is in it. Because the, the, the transitions that I've seen leaders make that are that are blessed and have favor on them, they didn't yep. have to go around and, and burn bridges and nuke every relationship in their life in order to get it done. That there's usually that might be difficult. It may not be the you know may may come with some serious wrestling conversations. But at the end of the day, the ones that are healthy are the ones that are able to do it with some grace and with some. Um, some blessing, you know, from their leader. And so I, I guess I would just caution anyone who, who has something in their heart to step out to do. If you have to nuke every everything good in your life in order to execute that, I would just I would just push the pause button and ask yourself, 100%. is God really in this? Absolutely. And I think anytime that, that someone is in the second chair that is is trying to make plans for their future that that aren't including the voice of your pastor into it. I don't think that's God telling you to do that. Yeah, I agree. I'm not saying that your pastor is is the voice of God, but that's the authority that God has put over your life. And when you're in a place that you don't feel like you can trust them with those things, that's just not a healthy place to be in. Yep. Yep. 
Okay, so um, maybe a couple more questions, but here's a real one for you. Have you and your pastor ever had a tough or challenging conversation? <laughs> and if so, oh, um, gosh. you know, what, what should our response be in those moments? May I, uh, so Brandon, I get a little context. I grew up in a world with a father as a kid that anytime he would start to lean in, he was trying to tear me down. So what it created as an emotional response for me through my adolescence and my young adulthood is I felt like I had to put my hands up to prepare for a fight to defend myself. So I, I carried that posture into my life. And when I came, um, when Pastor Stephen came into my life, he was the first man that leaned in and it, to not tear down. Wow. But, but he leaned in to build me up. But th- it felt the same. But the intent was completely different for him. So the first challenge for me was to create a space that says, whoa, he's leaning in because he loves me, not because he's trying to tear me down. Yep. That that took a long time. That is a product of relationship, conversation, honesty. And, and when a senior leader and, and the people that he leads can can engage in that level of conversation, now you're creating an atmosphere that you can really start to receive feedback and the intent that it gave. And so yeah. – Pastor Stephen, he said to me early on, and I think he, he's such an anointed leader, and he said to me early on, he says, LB, he said, the greatest compliment I could give you is to demand more from you. And it, it challenged my paradigm because I always felt like, wow, that, that he would never have to demand more from me. But, but when he would start to do it, it would bring back up the, all these old feelings of growing up, but eventually I had to come to the point of saying, wow, that's actually a compliment. That's actually a great gift he's given me to think that I can do more and become more. And he's pushing me and challenging me to step into those seasons. Wow. Let me say one more thing about that, Brandon. I think this is this is so helpful is I think the very thing that your leader is demanding from you is the very thing that God wants to develop in you. Hmm. And when when a, a relationship can flourish to the point where the senior leader is leaning in and talking about demanding growth in certain areas, often that's the very area that person's been avoiding for quite some time. And God has given that senior leader the perspective to see things, to develop that individual. You know, I yesterday I did a Facebook Live with my pastor on our um, Leading Second Forum. And if if someone listening hasn't listened to that, go back. We saved it on there. Go back and check it out. Um, but he said this. He said, when a leader on my team has made a mistake and I correct them and they grow from it. He said, I actually even get more excited about them and would trust them more you know, versus going out and just finding someone else because I actually realized that I have someone on the team that learned from their mistake. And they're, they're, they're not only, they're not only, you know, probably going to not make that mistake again, but they also now have some authority to even help others to not make that mistake again. And, um, I just thought that was really brilliant that, that it's, yep. uh, it's okay to walk through these seasons with your leader. It can actually, if you'll, if you'll do it right, it can actually be incredibly trust building. Uh, and that, that, that's the key word you said there. It's trust. Like to have an environment that you trust the authority that God has put over your life to trust your senior leader, which means I'm going to give them access to my life, not just certain parts of it. And when I do that, man, I, I let the, the grace of God and and the voice of God flood areas that I've had closed off for so long. Yeah. My pastor would say this to our team. So I'll just say this for anyone listening today. This is our rule at Champion Center. If you're going to be on the team is, is simply this. Be easy to talk to about hard things. 
be easy to talk to about hard things. So at the moment where your pastor has to go there, his one request of us is just make it easy for him. And and I love that, Brandon. Gosh, that's brilliant. Say that again. Be easy to talk to about hard things. That's that is someone something someone needs to put that like on the top of their notebook every page. Yeah, because because that will create a lifetime of blessing right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I have one final question for you, but let me just say, uh, LB, we so many so many leaders and churches are better because of you. I'll never, I'll never uh, forget. I was walking through a research project for us in multi-site years ago. I don't even know if you'd remember it. Um, And it was probably the first time I called you and talked to you and you, you just made so much time for me Um, and you have consistently. And I'm, I'm just grateful for, for all of the downloads, all of these kind of conversations, um, and and just just wanted to honor you and thank you because um, uh, your your impact, even though you're a part of a team and a part of something bigger, your impact personally, I know is is felt in so many places, and and I'm I'm grateful for that. Uh, um, I appreciate it. Thank you, my friend. So let's end with this question, and this is just open ended. You get to take this one where you want. Um, what is your heart for second chair leaders? I know we've said a lot today, but but if you could just say one final thing to anyone listening today who leads in the second chair, what would you say directly into their heart and into their spirit today? Yeah, um, I, I would speak over anybody who's 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 sitting in that chair. Uh, but I think it's more than just one seat in the organization because I think it's a mindset for the entire organization. Absolutely, and. So somebody who may not be like the, 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 the executive pastor or the number two in the organization, it's that second year. And that's why I love what you're doing with, with leading second here with this idea of creating a mindset so that the whole ministry flourishes. But I think the thing I would encourage people is in, 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 that, in that mindset is to think in terms of the parable of the talents. And the master gives five, two, and one to three different individuals. And the goal of what they were what they were given was to multiply with what was put in their hands. And when my senior leader trusts me enough to to put something into my hands, I understand it that it is simultaneously his and mine. He owns it and I own it. And my job is to multiply it, to grow it, and develop it. And so that when I give it back, he actually gives me more. The reward of results is more responsibility. Yep. And often we can get into a place that we think our job is to make our life easier. That's not it. Our job is not to make it easier. It's to free up our hands to take on more from our senior leader. And the kind of person that will be rewarded in an organization is the one who is faithful. I gave you two talents and you multiplied it. Here is, here is what you gave me. And you, we hear back, well done, good and faithful servant. Been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. And I've always seen that parable, Brandon, in the light of like, hey, our goal is to become a five talent guy. Let's because you got one, two, five. Don't be the one. Let's be the person with the five. But I think it's interesting because the master looked at the person with the five and the two and he said the same thing. The master looked at the person with the five and said, you've been faithful with a few things, which means that I've been looking at five and saying it's a lot. The master's looking at it and saying it's a few. Mm. The goal of our life is to continue to take on responsibility to free our leaders up so that they can get on to the next thing that God has called us to do. But it's hard when you do it every day. You use that word earlier, high octane. And 
I'm, I'm, we're in Charlotte, North Carolina is, is, is where our, our, our main, main campus is at. And most of our campuses are, and this is racing country and they use racing fuel. That's high octane right there. Yep. And the thing about ministry is the fuel that you use really determines how long you run. Yep. And it, what I've learned in this ministry is that if I am doing things in my own strength, in my own power, I will eventually come to the end of it. And when I am, I am burned out. There are some people listening to this podcast right now that are feeling burned out. What I would say is examine if you've been doing that thing in your own strength and in your own power, because if you are, you will always end up burned out. But in ministry, it's about being poured out. When we tap into a fuel source of the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we walk in unity and we create cultures of honor, that is an inexhaustible resource. And at the end of it, we're poured out. And we're exhausted in the best way possible. Wow. Let's live our lives. Let's live our lives being poured out. Let's not be burned out. Let's be poured out so that we can be filled back up to be poured out again. We breathe in God's grace and we give out his peace. And that's the cycle of what we get to create in the ministries we're a part of. Wow. I love that. Not burned out, poured out. And um, oh, I love it. I love yep. it. Hey, thank you so much, my friend. We love you. Um, you're awesome. Praying y'all have a great weekend at Elevation this weekend. Love you, my friend. Man, I hope you enjoyed that today. And I hope that uh, you're enjoying this podcast coming to you every week. Uh, if this is resonating with you, I would encourage you to uh, let us know, but also to subscribe, rate, leave a comment, and even consider sharing it with your team. Share it with your friends. Uh, share it with someone who doesn't yet know about the podcast. We would love to uh, be a voice to help them in their own ministry context. I also want to remind you that uh, registration is open for our summer quarter of coaching groups through Leading Second. And coaching groups begin at the end of June, so time is limited and space is limited. Make sure you apply today at deleadingsecond.com or the Leading Second Instagram account for links and uh, sign up. Apply today to be part of a summer coaching group. Until next time, let me just say we love you. Uh, I'm thankful for you. Uh, let us know how we can pray for you. Let us know how we can help support you or even a question you might have uh, for other listeners on the podcast. Uh, until we talk again next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. Oh.